0: In our first episode, we talked about the basics of financial planning and what that process looks like with Lee's Allen. Now, we're actually going to talk about retirement planning, estate planning, and the transfer of wealth. So if you're close to 55, this is an episode you definitely want to tune into. All right, is you ready? I sure am. <laughs> you're born ready, so, you know, that's a leading question.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Y- your point is well taken. If you're 55, we really need to be doing some active planning. Many people do a lot of things right, Just sort of sub- subconsciously. They sign up for their pension. They do some RRSPs to pay taxes. They might not necessarily have a financial plan to do that. Maybe they say yes to an insurance person and have some permanent insurance. They miraculously get their kids through and settled in jobs. But at 55, it's more about them and their financial plan rather than their dependents. Not so much on their dependents. If they're lucky, their little eagles have flown, have settled into the economy and a job of their choice. And now they really need to focus on their own wealth. So when someone comes in for a financial plan as they approach their 50s, or maybe they're in retirement and they want an opinion to know if they're doing it right, We do a financial plan that's tailored to them with all the things we talked about in the first meeting, we help them get organized. We take stock of all their investments and some debt. If they have debt still, I would say a third of our clients go into retirement with no debt, Mm -hmm. two thirds take debt with them. And it's really about packaging that debt to make sure that it still works. We determine any goals they have in retirement. Do they want to travel? Do they want a cottage? Where are the children? Do they want to move closer to the children or further away? (laughs) We set targets for what we want their wealth to be. In the olden days, there's an old school way of doing financial planning, which is you build the wealth and then the advisor would say, "Hmm, your life expectancy if you're male is 81 and if you're female, it's 83. So what we want to do is have most of that money, uh, you know, make sure that it, it goes the distance. So with that approach, you're sort of approaching your 80s and you're spending your last dollars. We don't do it that way. Mm -hmm. What we like to do is build the wealth, maintain the wealth. Think of the wealth as the golden goose. Think of the eggs as what you spend. Mm -hmm. We do not want to be snipping those golden wings off the goose or the beak or the legs. We keep the golden goose intact. That's your capital. The eggs is what we can spend. Spend them all every month. There's more being laid next month. So we don't know how long a client can live. We have many clients that live into their 90s. Senior seniors are between 80 and 100. We've had a few clients over age 100, the centenarians. We need that money to last, even if they don't need it in their early retirement, their late 50s their 60s and 70s because they have their health and they can do a lot of things for themselves with their homes and travel. They have agency. They don't know if they're going to be frail physically or mentally in their senior, senior years. So we need that golden goose, even if it's providing things like travel and fun and maybe being a bit generous to the grandkids. In their early senior years, their junior, senior years, we may need those eggs to pay for long-term care. Yeah, We may need, if they want to stay in their homes, think staff. So we need those staff salaries paid for that. So we will not be eroding that. Yeah. Wealth in our plan. The children and the grandkids can have it when you're finished with it. So that's our, it's a bit of a different approach that we have the creation and preservation of wealth until you're finished with it. Can we give the kids some money? Yeah, a little bit. But you can't give away large chunks of money while you're in retirement. Mm. Because you might need it,
0: but so true though you can't I mean, get it back. You can't get it back. I mean, you you this is one back. of the things that I'm facing with you know clients who are older, is people saying, "Oh, I need to get a reverse mortgage now because I don't where where's the money coming from?" You know, and and I mean, the program works for different people for different reasons, but I do think it's important to say, "Let me have choice at least exactly. to start with what I want." Exactly. So this conversation is so important because. You know, in our earlier conversation when we talked about, hey, most people don't start planning until they're forty nine. So actually, that's quite good for most people. What's the ideal? But hey, here's what's the reality. Exactly. And now when we're looking at people who are fifty five and older saying, okay, we've got to get active and we've got to get real and make sure you're taken care of until
1: the end. That's right. We need to figure out what wealth they do have, set those targets that we don't want the wealth to go below a certain amount. Even if they have real estate, they might not want to monetize that real estate. They don't want to necessarily sell it and move it into long-term care. They'd rather be looked after in their home if the home is set up for them.
0: Yes. Or they
1: might want to change their home, live in the big, beautiful home in the country with the stairs and, you know, the three acres of grass to cut while you're in your junior, senior. But if there's only one of you in your senior, senior years, maybe move closer to the kids, maybe get a condo over a green space or over water. Uh, and be in a home that you can stay in, even if you become frail physically.
0: Absolutely. And I actually appreciate this conversation because I'm also seeing um, more of a move towards intergenerational living, as well as people thinking about aging in place and what that looks like, right? And how to modify renovations or in the home quite so that will allow someone to age in place and they
1: don't have to move. The other thing is when people get older, if they start to become a little bit forgetful, being able to stay in their same home with that picture on the wall, and this is where the bathroom is, um, is really important because it's an anchor for their memory. And that could help them live maybe a little more independently for longer, which is what we would all hope for ourselves and for our parents and grandparents.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I appreciate that so much because... This is a part of the reason why there are so many people who are reluctant to leave, and they might be in a four-bedroom house, but they're really only occupying the first level at this point, and they're trying to um, renovate it so they have to stay on the first floor. That's so right. yeah. this
1: conversation is so important, and right. I'm, I'm grateful that we're having it. Good. So we take stock of what their assets are. Sometimes they're getting pressure from their kids to sell and downsize, and one of the couple won't, won't entertain the conversation. So once we've done the financial plan, gathered the data, set the goals, had a separate meeting to look at their options to preserve the wealth, look at types of investments that are appropriate, that aren't too risky, maybe put guarantees on the capital, have them think about it, and then start implementing it, setting the targets. So their wealth doesn't go below a certain point. Then we look at, where do you want to live? Is this your destination? Is this your forever home? I just adopted uh, some rescue animals who found their forever, forever home with me. It's the same thing with people in retirement. They're forever home for them. Is this your, oh, yes, we love living here. So what if you couldn't live there? Oh, we, we would just stay here forever. Well, let's make a plan B in case it's not possible. For example, if I become frail physically, I've always been very strong Uh, physically and mentally, but what if I became physically frail? I could still stay in my home because I can direct it. I can talk. I can say what my needs are. I can tell them what I like dietarily. uh, I have income. But what if I became frail mentally? We're not staying in our homes if we become frail mentally. It's not safe for us, Mm -hmm. and it's not safe for our family. And what what if I became frail mentally and I became aggressive? I don't want someone coming into my home and me barking at them when I'm old. I will be going into a long-term care facility. Hmm, if that happened, which ones do I like? Well, I've made the rounds of long-term care. I know the ones I'd go into and the ones I wouldn't. My family knows too. Plan A is I stay in my home. If I become physically frail, I hire staff. But it's not my kids holding the bedpan, it's staff. If I become frail mentally, I need to be open to the fact that Don't want me wandering around outside in my house coat in a snowstorm or the kids worrying about that. You you can't keep someone in. You just cannot. They find a way to get out. So we say, absolutely. Door number one. There's only four things that can happen. Four doors. Number one, I or I and my partner live happily ever after. We have good health. We have mental acuity. We hold hands and we pass away in a warm bed. (laughs) Two heart attacks at age 96. The death we wished for unlikely but that's what everybody hopes for and then people start nodding in our meetings you're right that is what we want is it going to happen statistically unlikely one of us will be left and they sort of look at each other who's it going to (laughs) be who's it going to be and then they start joking and it's fun but at least we've opened the door to the conversation the second thing is one of us dies so what happens to the survivor have we protected her have we protected him income wise and if we talk about it now with both of you here Both of you healthy, both of you with your marbles, even if it's a tough conversation, we're not doing it for five or 10 years, but we're going to talk about it in our financial planning meetings. So you have a plan B. I've had clients where the husband has died suddenly and I sit down with the wife and said, remember when we talked, here's what you and he decided you would do. You're going to stay in your home for a couple of years and then you're going to look at these options. She's like, yep, he and I talked about this. I didn't want to do it, but we talked about it. If you haven't talked about it, it is really hard on the surviving spouse.
0: Mm, yeah, it's really true. hard.
1: So you could live happily ever after, die in a warm bed at the same time. Not going to happen. Likely number two, one of you could die. And one of you is left behind. We need to make sure the money works because when one of the partner dies, what dies with them, if it's not a hundred percent survivor pension, part of the pension dies, old age security dies. Canada pension dies and you get a partial CPP back and you want to make sure all the investments are connected and you want to make sure we've done a migration program from all of the RRSPs and RIFs over a 10 or a 15 year plan into tax-free savings. So when the RIFs are done, you turn the income on tax-free from the TFSA and you that $14,000 in personal tax deductions on the other person's income that you lose when they die We make up with tax-free income from the tax-free investment plan. So I don't like TFSAs to be used for short-term savings at the bank. I want them to be part of a long-term savings plan in retirement. So we talk about that. So we could both live happily ever after. One of us could die. One of us could become disabled. Who's going to be carrying the bedpan? Please don't make it your spouse. It's going to be hard enough for them organizing stuff. Think staff. And one of the things you might want to think about who does all the outside work he goes i do who does all the inside work and the housekeeping she says i do it's a typical division of labor well what if you can't there's nobody that's going to get those cuts on the lawn lined up like he does but that's okay get used to it and have someone help you with the spring and fall cleanup with the leaves and the trees yeah just so you're used to it instead of you heroically having to do it all yourself ditto the housework if one of the partners does all the housework Get someone in once a year for spring cleaning. Yeah. And then as you get older, quarterly. And then as you get older, monthly. So you're used to having Frida come in and help someone that you trust, someone you can trust with uncounted money. So it's not all on you. And you can stay in your home. If you don't have staff when you get old, you will make a flying leap from your independent home into long-term care. You will not have an apartment or a senior's residence or a condo because you never permitted people to help you so we become one of the crabby people that went from their homes in a five-point harness into long-term care and we do not want that path so we could live happily ever after one of us could die one of us could become disabled in which case we're going to have staff or you could quit there are divorces that happen in retirement if you have an aggressive relationship in retirement you don't have to divorce but i sure wouldn't live together it's not safe it's not safe. You can leave all the assets. I've done it. I call it married living apart. You can live in different homes. There's enough money for both. Still leave it to each other and then down to the kids. Yeah. But not if you're being aggressive with each other. If you're not, carry on. But we have different needs at different stages. Let's go back to the wealth. So we have this golden goose that we have half a million dollars, a million dollars, 200,000, 2 million, whatever it is. We want to keep that there. And at 5%, You know, roughly what you can pull off in addition to your pensions. Most people have loved ones, whether it's children or favorite nieces and nephews Mm -hmm. or a charity that they like or the Humane Society or something like that. Where do you want the money to go when you're finished with it? Uh, Most most people think they're not going to care. You always care. You've built up this. You can do a lot of good with that yeah i had one very interesting situation in kingston where this couple did not live together he did not trust banks she was my client for 30 years i had her as my client it was a romance when they were young and then uh he had gone out west she married someone else had a child then divorced he came back and lived down the street did not (laughs) like banks he bought gold bricks and bars and coins okay and she looked after it all and he started filling up his house he had a map in his house and her house about where he had all the gold so when i <laughs> was going visit this house it's surreal it was totally real so I, when i would come she said remember after he died she said uh, remember when you were at my kitchen table we had some of those boxes at your feet i had no idea she never told me till after he passed away but when he passed away he left he he ended up having medically assisted dying he had a condition so he He and she planned, he said, I want to go out of the world naked and penniless the same way I came in. And so he wasn't able to give it all away, but he gave most of it away. And she and he had a lot of fun pretending to be a fly on the wall when this one gets that gold brick. I'm like, that is so, I love that. That's a cool (laughs) story. Not common. But even if your gold bricks are normalized in your financial plan or your investment portfolio with your bank, with your mutual fund person or with your independent financial advisor like I am or with your stockbroker, you want it to go somewhere once you're finished. Presumably, you want it to go to your partner, to him or her, when when you pass away, and you want it to go as efficiently as possible. So one of the things I do in the net worth statement is I say, how is it owned? So if it's a registered investment, you name a beneficiary. Mm. If it's a life insurance investment, you name a beneficiary, it passes outside of the will, no fees, no probate, no delays. If you own the house jointly, ditto, you just take the other person's name off with the death certificate, you have the house doesn't have to go through probate. Anything that's an open portfolio, or an expensive car or collection that's not owned jointly, you might want to change that. All right. To make it jointly. To make it joint Mm -hmm. or make it so that it passes without that. So, you know that you want to, if you're partners, you want to protect your partner. You want to make sure that you are protected. So when you pass away, there's no delays. It's not expensive. There's no erosion of the money. It just goes to your partner who you love and want to protect. At the second death... You should have talked about it before the first one passed away. So you get agreement like, where do we want our money to go? If you have children, it normally goes to the children, normally in an equal split. Might be a little bit different if one of them has a special need or something like that. Yeah. You might set up a handsome trust or a trust or something like that. But if you have two kids, 50-50. You have three kids, 33 and a third, 33 and a third, 34. <laughs> Big jokes of the one yeah. they love best. <laughs> If you have no children, there might be a favorite charity that you like or a distant cousin or someone back in England that you want. And you need to make sure your wills are up to date. See your legal advisor for that. Name your beneficiaries and talk to your financial advisor. And then whoever is going to be your executor needs a copy of the will. And as we get older, please make it transparent about what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Now, if you have a number of properties and they're all stocked with furniture, Fortunately, we're past the time where your kids have to spend two years boxing that stuff up that nobody wants because your taste, their taste is different. There are wonderful companies near that will do that for a fee. It's so worth the money. Yeah. I absolutely. think you interviewed somebody. I did. That did that. Yeah. Downsizing diva. <laughs> that's right. So that they don't have to be inhaling the dust and packing up those boxes. Yeah. But there will be someone that you want and you can structure your affairs so it goes to that institution or to that person with a minimum of fuss. Charitable giving through the use of, an uh, like giving uh, a charity an asset is becoming more and more common. If you have mm. a favorite university, or let's assume you have some land and you don't want it developed. One of my clients who was very uh, interested in making sure that we had enough sanctuary land on the on the planet, Attenborough has a, love it. Has a yes. letter to the world. And uh, I would like to see between 40 and 50% of the world protected in sanctuaries. The oceans were, yeah. uh, I think Attenborough said there's 6% of the oceans protected mm-hmm. now and 15% of the land. It's pretty low with the rate of development. Yeah. So if, as they allowed more density in the cities, it can protect the lands. But she said one of the best ways to protect that cottage or that hunting camp or those hundred acres you have north of Marmara is to use it and care for it and when you're finished with it if someone else isn't going to use it and care for it that you know donate it to the nature conservancy or similar group so it can be preserved and made into a sanctuary for all time Mm. if more people did that that would certainly help with with many things but there will be monetized assets that you want to leave as well usually pension assets uh, go to the spouse or partner or If you don't have a spouse or partner or they've predeceased you, there's a period of years, five years, 10 years or 15 years, the balance of that you can send it to your nephew or your son or your daughter. So make sure those beneficiaries are named on your RRSPs and your house through your will, you would leave your house to your two cousins or whatever, but do make sure that people know where you want those assets to go. The older you get, the stronger will be your feelings. If you don't have it set up, it's going to be very expensive. The taxes will be higher and the delays will be longer. Mm. And that's really too bad when you've built these assets. Yeah. So you can plan for that preservation of wealth till the end of time. And then what happens to that pizza of investments, the real estate, the RRSPs, the RIFs, the TFSAs, the stock portfolio, your life insurance, that sort of thing. I want to talk a little bit about charitable giving. Um, I have a charitable giving portfolio separate from my three companies and my assets and buildings and stuff like that. And, uh, what I did was when I was younger, I I'm a financial advisor trainer. So I've trained probably over 50 financial advisors in my day.
0: Yeah.
1: And I always started them off to see if it was their cup of tea by doing this account executive school on Saturday mornings, four of them. I'd bring them in and put them through their paces. One morning I showed up at the office around 8:30. I have a Victorian building in Belleville, that's my office. And this guy was sitting on my step and he had fallen and there was the reek of alcohol. And I'm like, this is not good. So I said, Do you need some help? And he's no, I just need to sit here. It was, he was, he wasn't hurting anybody. Uh, he had a he had a cut, he'd fallen. And so I went inside and I called the police and I said, There's a guy on my front steps. He looks like he needs help. Can you help him? I said we can come and arrest him ma'am said, he's not hurting anything no he said well if if he, if he gives you trouble you call us back we'll take care of it. <laughs> right. okay no don't don't need that so then i called my church at the time and i said there's a guy in my front steps he looks like he's had a bit of a fall and had a tough night can you come and help him no we're not set up for that and then i called another church same thing we're not set up for that then i called I forget who else i called then i ended up calling the salvation army and they said, yep, we'll be there. We'll send a car around. They were there in five minutes in their uniforms. They had some soup. They had a blanket. They had a Band-Aid. And I'm like, wow, the only one who would pick up the people who'd fallen down in the street was that one. I couldn't I couldn't find anyone else to do it. Yeah. Um, so I decided I would leave them $50,000. I was only 33 years old. A $50,000 life insurance policy on my life cost me $39 a month yeah so step one i bought the policy made my estate the beneficiary step two i called the salvation army and said i want to give you a life insurance policy when i do pass away i mean i won't be like george burns (laughs) who was not when he's gonna die it's if he's gonna die because he lived and lived and lived but someday i will pass away so i turned the policy over to the ownership of them i continue and have continued to pay the premiums 39 dollars a month you know over the last four decades the policy has grown from 50,000 to I think 120,000. They're the beneficiary. I got a tax deduction from my little $39 a month all these years. When okay. I pass away, they get their $125,000 tax free. My family doesn't even think it's real money. It's nothing to do. It doesn't come out of the other pot, yeah. it comes out of the insurance pot, which is surreal to them. So I thought that's pretty cool. So I was telling my minister, who wouldn't send anyone to help, and he goes, Where's ours? So I did a $50,000 policy for my church, did the same thing. I get a tax deduction from them. When I die, they get 50. Then uh, I had a, a couple of incidences health-wise where uh, Belleville General Hospital saved my life. So I thought they should have some money. But meanwhile, I would have been building some properties. So I'm going to have this capital gain on my yes. estate. So I bought a $250,000 policy on my life. I think it was like hundred bucks a month or something. and made them the beneficiary of it, but I did not transfer the ownership. So I don't get a tax deduction for that hundred bucks a month, but when I die, they get 250,000, my estate gets the $250,000 charitable receipt, which they will need to offset the capital gains tax. So that worked. And then a couple of years ago, I've been adopting these rescue dogs. I did a little $50,000 policy for the Humane Society. Um, Same thing, I've made them the beneficiary, but I don't get the tax deduction, and of course I was older when I got it. So for that little fifty thousand dollar policy, it cost me one sixty five a month. Okay. So it's about two thousand a year to leave them fifty thousand. But I don't have to pay it for forty years unless I live to a hundred plus, you know. So they'll get that, and again, that fifty thousand dollar tax deduction will come back to my estate. So I was trying to get my insurance portfolio up to about half a million dollars. I think I will. With this is my your life insurance. insurance. My life insurance, yeah. So so my life insurance I had, when my kids were gone, I had, you know, term insurance, a couple yeah. million dollars. And then once they're grown, I don't need that anymore. So you fold that down. Okay. But your permanent insurance is what is actually in effect when you die. The term insurance is not expensive. You need piles of it when the kids are little Yeah. and your debts are big and your wealth is not built. Um permanent insurance is what's actually in place when I die for so, my charities right. for my capital gains tax for my executor for my children to conserve my estate if I built one
0: okay so I need I need to break that down so when you buy the insurance for when you're older, it co- so if you die, that's what you'll get. Like you're paying $165 and you can get $50,000 on your life insurance. Right. And that money will go to whoever the charity, you, whoever you whoever set you as said. the beneficiary. Yeah. And,
1: and so you get a tax deduction against... If you either get the tax deduction for the premium or you get the tax deduction for the death benefit. You choose. What are you going to need? So if you have you know, Toronto General Hospital that's dear to Mount Sinai or someone that's dear to your heart and you want to leave them hundred thousand dollars and you're 40 years old, that's not expensive. You put that policy in place, you might need that tax deduction. So if it costs you $88 a month, a little bit over a thousand dollars a year, that's useful on your income tax. Yes. If you're in a 30% tax bracket, that's 300 bucks back to you. On your income oh, tax I each year. That. I love that.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 It's very yeah. cool.
1: So you can either have the tax deduction for your premium, in which case you write it up, make your estate as the beneficiary, step yeah. one. Then you contact the charity, give them the policy. They've got the forms. They take over the ownership of the policy. You keep the premium coming out of your bank account.
0: Right, and that's write off.
1: At the end of the year, the insurance company tells them, "Yep, yeah, she paid that $1,003. They send me a charitable donation. They make themselves the beneficiary and they just wait. When is she going (laughs) to leave the planet so we can have our money? And you do not you will not believe the Christmas cards I've gotten from the Salvation Army for the past 40 years. (laughs) I didn't even like I understand that like theoretically, but that really is helpful. So if you're young and you have a favorite charity, like I've probably done a couple of dozen charitable policies for young people that have a charity that they care about. Yeah. Older people, insurance gets expensive. Like yeah. that 50,000 that I bought for the Salvation Army when I was 33, 39 bucks a month. Yeah. That 50,000 I bought for the Humane Society a few years ago in my 60s, 165 bucks a month. And I pay that premium until I die.
0: Oh, okay, so my mind is like, oh, this is really awesome. like a- when you're young? Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't even think about that as an option because usually for me, I always do a charitable donation. Like mm-hmm. every time I'm successful in something, yeah, it too. is me giving me too. back. Me too. Yeah. But this actually makes more sense because well, but if you have a
1: favorite one. Now, if you don't have a favorite, keep doing what you're doing. But if you have right. a favorite, like your synagogue or your church yeah. or the nature conservancy or the humane society or the whatever, yeah, it's really neat. Or like Wendo or women's shelters, the specific yeah. one, you can make a bequest. Now yeah. the very fun thing is my name is up on the board for Belleville General Hospital Foundation. I haven't given them the money yet. I haven't died, I'm still here. But it's in like, there's like all these ladders of- Yes, it is. Yes, yes, and I'm yes, like yes. up there and like, I why am I there? Oh yeah, because when I die, they'll get that 250,000. Now I totally
0: understand that because I, no, no. And so that's really cool because now I can um, have a plan where I take out a policy and I, instead of paying a hundred bucks a month or something, like directly to the charity, mm-hmm. You have a multiply effect. I'll have a multiplier effect yeah. where if I just pay a hundred bucks for this whatever, whatever term, yeah. they'll
1: get a bigger chunk. That's and I'm right. still making the same donation. And I sound like the sham wow guy, but wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do a life pay policy. Yeah. You can do the insurance companies now will allow you to pay for it and get it all paid for over 20 years. Costs a little bit more, but then the premium's done. And the policy sits there in my life insurance portfolio I don't have to pay anything after i'm retired and then when i die there you go she was a great old gal wasn't she i
0: love that i know no i mean because i'm neat, always like it? i i kind of choose different charities to support but this actually has you can a still building do that. ladder you can still do that. it. yeah okay. you can still my do mom's that. gonna love this for sure because it's always about giving
1: that's yeah. right you but you can ch- you usually choose a charity that's still going to be around like the salvation Army yeah. will be around for 200 years after yeah. i'm gone Hopefully that we have yeah. a planet, you know. Same thing with the hospitals, yeah. You know, and uh, so if it, it like there's something like eighteen thousand little charities across Canada. If yeah. You get the little textbook yeah. on what yeah, yeah, which yeah. ones are legit. Yeah. But people have things that are dear to their heart. Cool. Because something interesting has happened to them, or they've noticed altruism. They've noticed philanthropy, yeah. and they go, "That's really cool." Yeah. So you can do that in your portfolio for very little money. You can do a twenty five thousand dollar policy. To your favorite whatever
0: you know, i love it I like it's expensive.
1: totally like shifted giving in the like, other thing you can do is if you have no you have no children and no nearest and dearest you can carve off part of your estate your leave your rrsps like you know if someone has four hundred thousand in rrsps and they're 80 they're gonna have a big tax bill yeah when they pass away they could leave that r that riff to the uh charity of their choice, and they get an offsetting tax receipt, which covers the tax that otherwise would have been paid. Yeah. I mean, this is something that
0: you are always thinking about is how to leverage your money and
1: maximize. That's right. And And what do people want? It comes back to the goals of what do you value? You value your family, let's protect them. You value yourself, let's make sure that you're not old and poor. Yeah, You have health concerns, they run in your family. We need to look at the disability portfolio. So all of these yeah. come out in the goal setting of the financial plan and need to be reviewed regularly. So you still want to do that? You know, I had a woman that inherited $2 million from her mom. She already had $2 million in her portfolio. So her priority was her seven grandchildren, she wanted to send them to private school. So we put the $2 million into a trust. Yeah. We managed the money, the trust managed it, and they sent the – 25,000 a year times the seven grandkids from the growth and a little bit of capital erosion kids all got through university and at the end of it she had married and sort of had a messy divorce eight years later so over two million of her own she had, had to part with about six hundred thousand because she didn't have a prenup and so after the kids were all through university she said what about the trust I said you're the director of the trust do whatever you like she said well the kids are through like I've I validated what I wanted to do for my seven grandkids. I said, you can fold it and take the money back to your own portfolio. That's what I want to do. And she did. I, I love was cool. that. That this was idea. pretty cool. It's her money. So, so that's like transfer of wealth. Transfer of wealth. There are instruments that you can transfer wealth into, and it will pass to the beneficiaries of that instrument. Cottages. Let's talk about cottages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a lawyer friend named Leonard, and his plan for cottages is I have a plan. Burn it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So you don't have a fight with the kids. Yeah. But there are better plans. So one of the things you can do is have the cottage when the kids are young. They grow up with the cottage. They go off into the world. You don't need it anymore. You sell it. You bring the money back into your portfolio. Have a nice day. It's hard to do that if the kids are emotionally attached to the cottage. So true. So option number two is you gift or sell the cottage to one of the kids. What do you do with the other kids? That's tough. So if you have enough assets, you don't want to have it. Don gets the farm, Fred gets the cottage, and Sheila gets the dishes. <laughs> you don't want that, right? You want it to be equal. You can equalize it up with life insurance. Yeah. So Don gets the farm, Fred gets the cottage, and Sheila gets the dishes and a million dollars of life insurance. That's fine. It doesn't have to be exactly equal, but it has to be fair. Yeah, it has to be fair. Uh, you can roll the cottage into a trust. If you have directors that'll keep the cottage going a couple of generations, you have to be careful because every 21 years, there's a deemed disposition on the trust. you got to pay the capital gains tax. How are you going to do that? Well, you could sell off lots if you have enough land. Then you sort of get the cottage smaller and smaller. Yeah, You can put a mortgage on it. Ah, who wants to do that? You can save up. Well, that's tough because you're trying to keep the cottage maintained. You can buy life insurance on the next generation. That's what the Kennedys and the Kretchens and the Rockefellers do. Little babies born into it, put a million dollars on their life insurance. It costs peanuts. You now, it might be $49 a month to have that million dollars of permanent. Yeah. Because they're little. they got 80 years before they're going to pass away. Yeah. And it'll build. And then every 21 years, you know there's insurance money coming. So you can continue to clear whatever debt you needed to pay the capital gains tax and keep the cottage in the family. But it takes planning.
0: Yeah,
1: you know The Japanese have a saying. They say, if you have a five-year business plan, that's good. If you have a 25-year business plan, that's great. If you have a 100-year business plan, that's genius. And that's true. And what we need to do is get people thinking long-term. Begin with the end in sight and work backwards. Yeah. You know, my family, my mother ran her corporation until she was in her mid-80s. My grandmother ran their corporation till they were in their mid eighties. I probably will too. So I'm not thinking that I'm going to pass away next year. I might, I have lots of life insurance in my companies and my charitable givings if I do, but what if I'm still here? If I'm still here, what do I want to have happen? So you plan for the best and you prepare for the worst. You protect the people you love, protect the wealth, get it set up properly with your legal instruments So you need your lawyer that you like and who gets you. You need your banker for those mortgages. Yeah. You know, if you want to do stocks, you can do them yourself or you can do them with a trusted advisor at one of the big stock brokerage firms. But whatever you need, think about what you'd like. Start with a basic financial plan and then reach out to the other advisors. Yeah. And your financial advisor, if he or she is good, will stay in their lane. They'll say, this is my area of expertise. Here is where we need to get more expertise. I'm not yeah. going to pretend I'm a mortgage broker or a real estate agent or legal advice. The financial planning is what the advisor should do. And that, that starts with the goals. Yeah. Tell me about the little red car at the beginning.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, okay, we've, you know, I think when we first started talking 49 being the age that most people start saving up Correct, for, yeah. we've talked about like people like from your home and then going to long-term care. I mean, the reality is, the cost of long-term care can vary
1: drastically. Like, And for
0: staff, it's a lot.
1: Yeah. So it depends on the long-term care. So there's independent living in your big home. Yes. There's independent living in your property-sized bungalow. There's independent living in your condo or yeah. your green space or your apartment if you like it. Then there are seniors' residences with varying levels of care. That is the very expensive Phase, seniors residences. Yes, they're very expensive. Long-term care, which is basic care, is not that expensive. And a lot of it's paid by the province. The problem is it's basic. So if you want long-term care that's of a higher quality, yes. where you're gonna have people checking on you when I can only eat beverages through a straw. If they're understaffed, I'm gonna be waiting four or five hours to get a drink. That's not cool. No. You need to make sure. So you so you need to think of long-term care at a higher quality. Yeah, so you need to preserve those assets. And there, there are long term care policies you can put in place. You probably want to put those in place between the ages of 40 and 55 because okay. they get very expensive when you put them in place, 60 or 70 or 80. It's too expensive. Yeah, you pretty well have to self fund.
0: Well, this is why having a conversation with a professional
1: for financial planning makes
0: a big difference.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, people will also say, this is how long my family lived. They sort of have an expectation that they'll live about as long unless uh, there is poor nutrition mm. on their parents or grandparents or smoking yeah. or uh, some other uh, illness or something that that shortens a lifespan. But even diabetes, um, diabetes, like I have a, a friend who got type one diabetes when she was seven and she's in her 70s now. And she went through many periods of, of denial in her life when she's a teenager on not. I can eat what I want. You know, so she learned over time. Yeah. So you can manage a lot of health care. Yeah. Yeah. But you need money. You need money as well. Well, this, yeah. I, this is why I'm so appreciative of you
0: taking the time to talk about it, because it demystifies money. And it demystifies having that conversation about, this is what I have. Because the guilt or the shame of, I don't think I have enough. I think most people probably think they don't have enough. And...
1: That Scotia Ed, you're richer than you think. Yeah. I see that again and again in my financial plans. It's so interesting. People are actually richer than they think. Give me an example. Used to be, you need a million dollars to retire, and my clients would come in and say, "I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to make that." And I said, "Well, it's, you need capitalized assets worth a million dollars. For example, if your Canada pension is a thousand dollars a month, that's worth." 250,000 of that million you need. Okay. If your old age security gives you 500 a month, that's 100,000 worth of capital of that million that you need. So if you only have OAS and CPP, it's like having capital of 350,000 of that million you need. Mm. So size up your assets. What is my income producing asset and how much do I get? then we do the budget you need four thousand a month or seven thousand a month or twelve thousand a month or whatever it is depending on if you're living in a little village with no debt or if you're living in downtown toronto and you still have a mortgage it's a different amount and then we line up all the assets and say what do we get from each one yeah because my goal is whatever the net income was before retirement i want that same net income for them after retirement then they know they have enough yeah especially if the capital does not diminish
0: yeah and mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you saying that because i think a lot of people there are many people who i know who are reliant on their oas and the cpp and 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 mm-hmm. those things and would be like well it's five hundred dollars
1: what is that that's you know they have so, to live with your family
0: yeah yeah and have the plans
1: in place that mm-hmm. are realistic that's right i had one uh one real estate agent that i had years ago who uh had a wonderful marriage had a wonderful marriage for 40 years, produced four children, and um, then he died. She thought that's what marriage was. So within about five years, she'd married her neighbor. It was a terrible marriage. She didn't know that that, that's what she might get. She she thought he would be just like her husband. That's what marriage is. He was very controlling. Um, She said that she did end up leaving him but she had never worked. So she didn't have any money. She went into real estate. She sold real estate for 20 years, bought herself a little condo, got it paid off and then went into retirement. And then, um, she wanted to leave assets to her children. So she was going to leave her condo. But I said, what about creating some life insurance? So at age 70, she bought a $50,000 life insurance policy. And she said, I'd really like to have this to leave to my four children. No, 200000 She's going to leave 50000 to each one. And I said, it's a little pricey for you to pay. How about if we get the children to kick in? Are we allowed? Of course we are. Let's find out how they think. It turns out her daughter wasn't that well-to-do, but the son said, hey, we'll kick in. We'll do a four-way split on the insurance. So that's what they did. The kids carried the life insurance, except for the daughter who couldn't really afford it. And they each got another $50,000 when mom passed away later. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, I,
0: I love that. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk about that because- it gives us um, the insight into different ways of doing things, exactly right? Exactly right. So, well, okay. So, I think we've covered a lot, and it's a lot for people to, you know, process. And you can rewatch this as many times as you want because it's really sage advice and, and good. The,
1: and the takeaways are: everybody's financial plan is unique. There are many, many financial advisors out there. Interview them. Yeah. Take make take that project on. Call them. Go to their website and say, "I would like to have a chat about you becoming my financial advisor. Let's see if there's a fit." All of them should should do that first interview for free. Yeah. No matter how they're paid. Absolutely. And and take their measure and see if there's a fit. Yeah. And then people people do much better with a financial planning coach than they do on their own, even if they manage a lot of their own wealth themselves, because there are things people don't think about. Oh no, hundred
0: percent. Look in my in my business.
1: It's the same thing, right? Like when people are like, oh, I, I
0: I read enough, like things on the news about real estate. I'm like, I would never st- buy a house without a real estate agent. Like, it's not quite the same thing. Like the intelligence that you have is, you know, coming through the lens of whoever's writing it and on the ground, it's different, a little bit different. Right. And for sure. so I have really developed a respect for like, this is my lane. This is what I know this is your lane. This is what you know. And it's, it's the shortcuts. You make it easy because you actually know it. Right. Um, so I appreciate that. And I value that knowledge. Uh, one of the things that I always ask is a quote to end on. And so, you know, I, I love, I love your quote and I'm going to share it and love you to talk a little bit about why this is a favorite quote for you. If you don't make time for the things you want in your life, you will be forced to make time for the things in life that you don't want.
1: That is so true. Whether it's saving for a house, looking after your health, preparing for retirement, or having those conversations with your spouse that if you can't live in this house, where would we live? And if you make a plan and you've considered plan A, B, and C, it's more motivating for you to put the time into doing the homework. I guess I call it homework. Yeah. To get the things that, are, that you really value.
0: Yeah. It's just being intentional, right? Like, and being Very like, because so. if you don't, if you don't have a goal, someone's going to have another plan for you, mm-hmm. right? Well, you are amazing. I can attest to that. And thank you so much for your time.
1: You are so kind. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Lee. Thank you.